such a blessing to be here with all of you um, to celebrate our Lord together. And we're going to be in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4 today. And we're going to be looking at uh, one, of my, one of my favorite episodes, or at least part of this, this is one of my favorite episodes. Um, but before we get into Acts chapter 4, I want to just pray for us briefly one more, one more time. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this morning, for this time. Lord, we just want to honor you. We ask that you would honor us, Father, by just revealing your will to us, giving us understanding in all things. Father, opening up um, our hearts and our minds to receive your word, Father. And we pray that you would just help us to humble our hearts before you today, Jesus. We acknowledge and confess that you are the king of this kingdom. You are the pastor of this church. So Holy Spirit, grant us Wisdom, power, and understanding together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So last week we looked at uh, Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, we saw Peter and John coming into the beautiful gate and healing a lame man there. And as this man who had been lame from birth began to, to jump and leap and run through and declare the glories of God, we saw all the people gathering around to figure out what had happened And we saw how God used this opportunity to advance the gospel. So where we're picking up today is uh, thousands of people got saved that day. But with all this commotion in the temple, suddenly the religious leaders there, they're, they're getting word of what's going on. They hear Peter and John preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they lay hold of them and take them into custody. And so that's where we're going to be picking up today in Acts chapter 4, verse 1 through 33. Um, But really what we're going to be talking about today is mission, staying on mission. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but God is actually a God of mission, right? The scripture says that God declares the end from the beginning, which means he already had a plan. The scriptures also say that all of his works were finished at the foundation of the world. So these aren't things that are just unfolding randomly and he's trying to, well, let's see, do I go route A or route B? No, God has a plan. He has a purpose for creation. He had a plan and a purpose for Adam and Eve in the garden. He had a plan and a purpose for the disciples. He had a plan and a purpose for his son Christ coming. Christ was on mission to get himself to the cross, to declare the goodness of God and to pay for our sins. And as he left his Holy Spirit to indwell in us, now he asks for us to be on mission as well. Day after day, waiting to see the fullness of God's will completed when Christ returns and puts all things under his feet. So we're going to talk a little bit today about being on mission, and we're going to look at three things, three things we're going to pull from this passage that's going to help us um, evaluate, are we on mission, and to help us stay on mission. Acts chapter four, starting in verse one. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and um, preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So this is uh, Peter and John. And they laid hands on them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, as well as, um, 
Annas, the high, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what, by what name have you done this? Man, I wish people asked me that more often. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed, done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well let it be made known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him this man stands here before you whole this is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, or that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Wow. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. But from now on, that that from now on, they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to stop right there. Oh, and great grace was upon them all. Amen. <laughs> okay. Wow. What, a, what an event, huh? Praise the Lord. So we're going to look at a couple of things. Um, if you were here last week, if not, or the messages are uh, from Mark and myself are all available online at friendshipbible.com um, and on our Facebook page. But last night we touched, or last week we touched a little bit on John and Peter that when they had this encounter with the man who was lame, it, it, it wasn't just, um, they weren't going up to the temple to pray just because they had nothing better to do. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They had encountered the personal presence of God. They had been transformed and they were going to pray, yes. They were going to the temple, yes, but they were going with purpose. They were going hoping, waiting, eagerly ready to do the will of God. And so when just so much as one opportunity, one moment of attention was given to them, given to them, they used it as an opportunity to glorify the name of Jesus Christ. And we touched just real briefly on the fact that they were actually on mission. Here, that has not changed. They're, they're detained. They're threatened. They're, uh, you know, cast out with, hey, you can't speak this name anymore. But they had a very specific goal and understanding in their heart that Jesus was real. His power and his gospel was real. They had been touched by it. And there was nothing that anyone could do or say that could deter them from that fact. And so now every part of their life, everything they did, everywhere they went, it all revolved around one thing, fulfilling the purpose, the mission that God had given them. But there's a couple of things in here that I think are important to note that help them and help us stay on task, stay on mission. I want you to notice, um, if we go back... (laughs) to verse eight. Let's go back to verse eight. And we're gonna look at three things here that are gonna help us stay on mission today. The first one is being in the presence of Jesus. The second one is choosing, choosing to honor the Lord. The third one is missional prayer. So what we're gonna look at now is the first part. Let's go to verse eight. So then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If this day we are judged for a good deed done to to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all, to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which, by which we must be saved. Now look at this. Look at the response from the religious elite here. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled. Why? They're, they're saying, man, this is not... This is not something they picked up from rabbi so-and-so. This is the, the way they're speaking, the accounts they're giving. This is not something that someone delivered to them. This is something that without any training, without any formal education, is coming from somewhere deep inside of. This is coming from a personal experience. 
And it says they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. You know, and for me, someone who um, until recently has has been generally untrained and uneducated, and even now, having some school and and going into seminary, still many people would consider me untrained and uneducated, um, has been a a really an anchor verse for me. And there's been many times where I've prayed and said, Lord, at at the end of the day, if all I have in this life is you allow me to live in such a way that they see that I've uneducated, untrained, but that I've been with you, Lord, I'll take that testimony. God, that's enough. I'd rather be that than the educated, trained guy who, <laughs> uh, you know, is, is full of nothing. Let me say it that way. That's the nice way to say it, right? But you see, there is something about being in the presence of Jesus that changed these people and that kept them on mission. First of all, it said that, that Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. It says that he had a boldness that amazed them, that marveled them. And they spoke with such wisdom that here are the top men of Israel, that if there was gonna be a theological debate, these were the guys you wanted on your team. And yet they could not speak against the wisdom that Peter spoke. They had nothing to say. Furthermore, even if they tried, here's the dude that got healed right here. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of hard to deny that, right? And you see, for Peter and John, And for the rest of the disciples, and hopefully for all of us here, you know, it would have been one thing if they were raised up in the faith and something was handed down to them and they were just trying to be real pious, religious people. In the midst of such a trial, in the midst of uh, persecution, in the midst of threatening, if this was just something that they were casually holding on to, it might have been something that they very quickly let go of, right? To save their own hides. But no, these men had been with Jesus. They had walked with them. They had heard his teaching. They had been in his presence. They were present when the Holy Spirit fell on them. He himself told them, wait until the power of the Spirit comes upon you and then you will be witnesses. They got that through personal relationship with him. And so now, as they're being moved forward, as they're going out to do the mission that God put them on, who is gonna tell them otherwise? Who's gonna say you shouldn't do that? Who's gonna say, no, that's not true? Who's gonna say, no, stop? See, it was a personal experience with Jesus that allowed them to be what many people would call today radical, radical Christians, which we really should call normal Christians, right? And for us, you know, a lot of times there isn't a zeal. There isn't a fire. We get into situations socially when we're around parents, friends, we're out in public and we wouldn't call it, you know, um, denying Christ. We wouldn't, we wouldn't call it compromise, but really we get into this place where we're making choices not based on is this gonna please the Lord, not, not based on is this gonna fulfill the mission God has given me, but based on, well, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna seem weird. Uh, well, you know, I don't wanna be, someone might laugh at me if I do that publicly, right? And so there's a zeal, there's a commitment, there's an anchor in our soul that sometimes we can lose when we're not experiencing that personal, that personal relationship with Christ. And how much, let me ask you this, 
how much do you think their zeal, these are men who ultimately will give their life, except for John, although John is tortured well enough, um, give their life as martyrs for Christ. How important do you think that three and a half years being with Jesus every day was to that commitment? You think it was pretty important? I would say probably so. And I wanna say to us that I think that the, the amount of time that we spend personally with the Lord, just, just privately, Jesus says, hey, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, this is in Matthew 6, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And he who sees you in secret will reward you openly. There's a place where we can just be in his presence, where we can just allow him to speak to us in our heart and our spirit through his word, right? You don't gotta wait on the top of a hill for him to speak to you. He's written a lot down, okay? <laughs> There's a couple of ways to go about this. But when we can just get into his presence and allow him to say, to, to tell us, what does he want from us? What kind of man, what kind of woman does he want you to be? What is the direction he, want, he wants to set for your family? How is it that today that our service and love is going to serve his kingdom? And you see, when we receive those things from him personally, there is this understanding, there is this wholehearted commitment that permeates our walk, our direction. If you just heard a really good sermon and you got amped up and you're gonna go do it and then something comes against you and it's real hard, there might be a, a level of confidence that's just not there because it was just a good word from a good dude on a nice stage. There's a big difference when the king of kings speaks to your heart. Has anybody experienced anything like that? I'll tell you what, I've done a lot of things that, that people thought were crazy. Even my own parents, my dad would yell at me when I first started, started following the Lord because he thought some of the things I was doing was crazy. And I had to say, dad, I love you and I understand. I hear what you're saying, but I mean, I have to do what the Lord told me to do. In the direction of my life, man, there's been a lot of times where I wanted to take another route. When I was going to Shriner University and I was you know, uh, trying, to, trying to be a pastor, trying to be a ministry leader, trying to be a husband, trying to be a father, trying to be a full-time student, if it wasn't, I just shared this Friday night, if it wasn't for the fact that I felt like Christ had told me to go to that university, I would have quit. Because at the time, it wasn't worth my time. It didn't seem to be worth my time. But you know what? The season I'm in right now wouldn't have been possible unless I had gotten that degree. I wouldn't have been able to go for a master's. I wouldn't. So the Lord was setting these things in order and it was because he was the one that led me there that I was able to go forward and I was able to stay confident and consistent. If it would have been a good idea that I got from Jason or Dave or somebody, hey, maybe you should go to college, I would have quit, <laughs> okay? And so there is a confidence that we need to seek out from the Lord because he's the only one, ultimately, he's the only one that can tell you what you were made for because he's the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. And the ratio of your, your spiritual life, where it is up or down, is connected to the amount of time you're spending just in his presence, okay? And so these were men that had been in the presence of Jesus and they were filled with the spirit it says that they had boldness that made these men marvel and that they had known just, just from the way they spoke, just from the way they presented themselves, that they had been with Jesus. And I think there's a, there's a, you know, there's a lot of us that we could, 
we could go on teaching Bible studies from the le- for, for the rest of our life out of something we had already heard and already learned. But I want to be a man that when I stand up and speak, it's not just something I know, it's something I was given. And that when people see me or hear me, that they can see and hear Christ in that. Okay, secondly, they chose to honor the Lord. They chose to honor the Lord. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is just like I talked about last week when they had, there was a temptation to use that attention for themselves or, or to, to ignore the opportunity, but they chose to honor the Lord with it in the same way. There was a temptation here to back down. There was a temptation here to say, hey man, this is, this is too heavy. But in verse 18, I'm sorry, verse, let's see, 17. It says, but so that it spreads no further among the people, these are the religious leaders, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. They wanted to shut down the gospel. So they said, Here, here's the deal, right? They don't really honor God. They honor themselves rather than honoring God, even though they're supposed to be his servants. And they assumed, hey, they're men like us, so we'll threaten them, and out of fear, they'll honor us instead of honoring this man, Jesus. In verse 18, it says, so they called them and commanded them that they speak not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, very simple, I love this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. But us, we cannot speak, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. So here's the thing. I love the way they answer that because they don't just say, no, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna serve the Lord. They say, hey, you judge. You judge if it's better to listen to you or to God. And I think that's very important actually. Because those, those Sadducees, those religious leaders, they would have not said, they would have never said it's better to honor man than to honor God. They would have never said that. That was against their whole culture, their whole image, their whole status. But they were willing to walk and to do things in a way that was that. As long as it was justified. As long as it was kind of Hidden. And I think for us, the same thing happened. I don't think anybody here would say, oh yeah, we should listen to man instead of God. Nobody would say that. But again, when the opportunity arises, when the persecution comes, when the loss of a friendship comes, when being ostracized comes, it's the same question. It's still that question, are you gonna honor them? Are you gonna honor the world? Are you gonna honor your friends? Are you gonna honor your image? Are you gonna honor the fear? Or are you gonna honor God? It's the same question, it's just wearing a nice little mask. It's wearing a mask. That's all it is. And so we feel good, you know, about, we, we make justifications. We make excuses to go and do things that we want to do that we know don't honor God. Because we're spinning the question. We make excuses by choosing not to honor God because we're afraid or we're not sure. Or, well, you know, people might think or say, but it's because we're, we're spinning the question. And I tell people all the time, if you want to make your life decisions really easy, here's a simple way to do it. Stop asking if it's okay. Stop asking if it's going to be all right. Start asking, is this going to honor God or not? 
And then the choices you make and the things you say will get a lot clearer. Will get a lot clearer. Because when you, when you bring it down to that surface level of what am I choosing to honor, the situations get real, real clear. Right? And in temptation and trial, they chose, hey, we can't, we can't not honor God. And so having that mindset helped them keep a single focus. It helped them go through hard times. Anybody ever gone through a hard time? Okay, I'm, nobody's raising their hand, but I know you all have. Okay, hard times, right? Anybody ever been challenged because of your faith? I don't know. I, I have. I've had. To, I've lost friends. I've lost family. I've lost opportunities. I've lost status, whatever that means. Even among even among the Christian community, I have lost status because I chose to honor God in a way that other people weren't willing to. And I don't say that boastfully, I'm just saying that because it's a real reality that we should be facing because we live in a world that is contrary to God's ways. And there's, there's something in our flesh that wants to flee, that wants to flee from, from you know, being looked at or spoken about in a certain way. But I wanna challenge you to start asking that question. What am I honoring? Who am I honoring by doing this? The world, the devil, or the Lord? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Okay, so these men had, were, had spent time with Jesus and they were being filled with the spirit. They're still spending time with Jesus. They've made the choice. They've set the choice in their heart that they're gonna honor God, not men. And finally, and this is, this is one of my favorite parts of scripture right here, okay? I want you to look at the way they pray. Not just that they're praying. That's important, you need to be praying. This kind of bridges us back to spending time with Jesus. But I want you to look at the way they pray, that they had a missional prayer. And it says in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported uh, all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? Why did the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers were gathered against, uh, together against the Lord and against his Christ. They're saying, hey, this is the situation we're in right now. For truly your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your pur purpose determined beforehand to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't pray and say, Lord, hey, this is getting hard. Will you please make it easier? Lord, will you, will you keep us from having to go through these trials? Lord, will you let us just go over here and, and you know, maybe, maybe we'll just preach the gospel in, in an easier area? No. Because they understood that there was a mission that they were on, they said, Lord, you are God. Lord, look at their threats. And they pointed back to, to Jesus before Herod and Pontius. He said, 
All that could happen to Jesus is what you determined. Your enemies coming against you is a foolish thing. And since we're your servants, God, give us boldness. Does that surprise you that the disciples were in a spot where they were asking God for boldness? I think that's important. You think maybe there was some fear and some concern in their flesh? Of course. They're people, not superheroes. They were saying, Lord, we need your boldness so that we can keep preaching the word. And everything that's standing in the way, Lord, get rid of it. Let us go forward. Lord, if these people want to come against us, then Lord, move, move with signs, move with wonders. Lord, confirm your word. Let us speak it, yes, but confirm it. Conf- they prayed that God would enable them with power they didn't have to do the task that was ahead of them. And if that is not a prayer that you're used to praying, I want to challenge you to start that today. Because that type of prayer is the only reason that six years of being part of this church and I'm still standing up here. Because every year, every season, I've been tasked with saying, Lord, what you're asking me to do, I can't do. So Lord, enable me to do it because I'm here to serve you. What are the opportunities he's putting in front of you? What are the callings he's putting in front of you? What are the trials that are coming ahead of you? Are you asking the Lord, not for for an escape route, but a way to be faithful? Are you asking him to empower you to continue walking on the course he's given you because he honors those who honor him, okay? And what we see is that when they pray and they say, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, confirm the word. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And it goes on to talk about how they went out and great power was, was, went out from them and signs and wonders and the, the community of the church was built up. What is it saying? It's saying God answered their prayer. God was answering them and giving them what they needed to serve him well. And church, I believe that that is what we need. We need to be people who are aware of what is our personal time with Jesus like? Is it growing? Are we growing? Are we confident? Are we filled? Are we, are we doing things in our week because we heard from him and he set our hearts in order to do them? Or is that a rare experience for us? Are we choosing to honor God with the friends that we choose, the places we go, the things we partake with? Are we still honoring the, word, the world? And are we praying missional prayers? Because I promise you when we start to do that, God is going to honor or request. So I want to end today with just an opportunity to do that. I want to end just by praying that the Lord would speak to us and reveal his purpose for us specifically and that he would grant to us whatever confidence, whatever boldness, whatever repentance, whatever understanding is necessary to honor him instead of ourselves or instead of the world. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you so much that you're here with us, Father. Lord, that we're your children, that we can call upon you, that you hear us, that you love us. We thank you that the work is already done. Lord, you have already fulfilled the task, Father, that tomorrow has already been set forth and you just call us to be faithful today. So Lord God, help us 
Give us a new heart. Give us new zeal to seek you, to be with you, Lord, to serve you. And Father, we just confess right now that we lack the confidence. We lack zeal. We lack dedication. We lack the wisdom, Father. We lack the power to do the things you've set before us, to change anybody's heart. But Lord, we know you are faithful and all things are in your hands. So we ask that you grant us boldness to proclaim your word, Jesus. And that you would confirm it in the hearts of the hearers. So we thank you and honor you this morning in Jesus' mighty name, amen.